0: Welcome back to Broadcast. It's Billy Kirkwood here. I've got an amazing episode for you tonight. Thanks very much for watching, wherever you are. Do me a favour. If you are watching Broadcast, wherever you are on the globe, hit that share button. Let people, as many people see as we can from the broad universe. And, whatever you're watching tonight, do me a favour. Hit us up in the comments. I'd love to know where you're watching us from tonight. And, don't forget as well, make sure to go and check out everything that's going over at Broadbeard Social Media and of course, broadbeardoils.com. I am so excited about our guest tonight, uh, this afternoon, whenever you're watching it, if you're watching it in the future, congratulations, this is what we used to look like, whenever you're watching it, uh, our guest tonight is not only an actor, a comedian, uh, he's performed probably every type of live performance, I think that is known to man, as well as being a part of a band, at the Battlelands. just, you know, there's so much to get into here, and I'm very excited to welcome an old friend, uh, so please, ladies and gentlemen, please give it up, but one leave us to Gavin Mitchell! Uh, yes! Yes!
1: Welcome to the future!
0: Uh, what on earth is going on? Gav, uh, we'll do that whole thing first of all, where we can pretend. Oh, I'm out of focus. I need to fix that. Um I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll put myself further away. There we go. Um first of all, we'll do that whole thing that we we can pre- we pretend that we were only talking for about 20 minutes before we came on. Uh <laughs> how how are you?
1: Oh, nothing a bullet, wouldn't it sizes
0: <laughs> hey go, well it's uh, you know, I, I I rushed to get here, I just had to stop at the graveyard and visit my career. Uh, that's what I did before I got on. <laughs> I was <walking laughs> <through that>. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, do, I don't, I don't, even take flowers myself. I just steal other people's. Uh, I think that's where <laughs> we've got to. Uh, mate, here we are in probably the most insane time in history, In our, our history, I guess we should say. Uh, I mean, I know there was there was world wars and all that type of thing. We can't kind of really lay claim <laughs> to that. Uh, how are you finding it? First of all, it's great to see everything that's going on at Mitchell Towers just behind you. Uh, Made yes. sure to get all the good stuff going on. That's different. Is that um, that's Thunderbirds as well? Just yeah, noticed I- behind you.
1: Got Tracy, I've got uh Captain Black as well. Oh uh, he never I've looked got, well. I've got the hood as well. There he oh is. bloody hell oh, you got, got them all. I've got to uh get because they uh they speak. Oh right, okay Honestly they do. They speak to <laughs> They tell <laughs> me they give me a, they give me
0: advice and <laughs> <on> everything.
1: <laughs> Your plans for world well, domination of <laughs> Yeah, I, I collect all sorts of uh, daft toys and things. So I've got all sorts of madness round of it here: old vintage tin toys and I
0: don't, I don't Judge Dreads
1: got. and Captain Scarlet's and childhoody retroy stuff. So it's oh, I, I
0: wouldn't, I wouldn't want to embarrass you with all the stuff that I've got. I've got a W, <laughs> a WWE Championship belt. I've got a fart ninja that oh, someone gave me. So where we going?
1: <laughs> I'll get my. Uh, you know, I can kind of see them there. Fart ninja, I'll raise you a oh. sumo, sumo fan. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the most that is the you know the two things that automatically go together. Uh
1: it's just perfect for in your pocket in those hot days.
0: And listen, when you when you're out watching two fat guys slap each other around, I think there's nothing better. Uh <laughs> think pr- the way you're lockdown's been. Me. can I
1: help you? No,
0: I'm from Ayrshire so I've got quite a rare item in Ayrshire Fire, look at that <laughs> um, Nobody nobody give me any shit if you're watching from Ayrshire I, I'm from here, I'm allowed to make that joke uh, I'm so inbred, my mum is younger than me Right Gav, we have got... <laughs> So much to get through. We're so excited you join us here on broadcast. Thank you very much. Um, you know, it is a crazy time, mate. I think before we before we get too far into it, uh, how has lockdown been for you? It's the most unique time in human history, is it not? Uh, not half. I
1: mean, uh, to be honest with you, I quite enjoyed it up to a mm. point. Um, you know, because. Uh, sort of mental health and all that kind of stuff that people are talking about now and I've always been quite open about my own kind of mental health issues yeah and I was kind of prepared for it in a funny kind of way yeah uh, I think just at being Groundhog Day and all that became it was easy to kind of handle it yeah and it was a kind of normal so I think a lot of people who suffer from depression and anxiety have dealt with it very well it's, it's people who have had normal lives that have freaked out a bit more going I can't deal with this I can't deal with that and, and I've, we've been kind of showing the way going Look, it's all right. Here's some tips for you. <laughs> yeah, and also being an actor and being unemployed a lot of the time, you're used to it. So,
0: well, as that thing is like, no two days when you're you're self-employed and you work in the creative industries. No, two days are kind of the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're you're almost kind of already turning into the curve, and you do get those times where you're like you're up and you're high, and then there's other times you're Aye. like I'm I'm the worst person in the world. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, um, but it does kind of uh, I can understand that. It does kind of prepare. So when it does kind of slow down a little bit, and you're able to go, oh, I think I might go a wee walk today, or
1: no, I uh, yeah, exactly. I'm Catching up, reading, watching movies. The same as everybody really. Reading, yeah. watching movies. Get back into my art a bit, which was my first love, so get into yes. and drawing a bit again. And uh, and my wee dog is gonna save my life, my wee dog Bob. Aww. So he's got us out and about oh, uh, a yeah. lot, my wee rescue dog. Um, and that's fine, but now I'm getting a bit, I, I think we're all a bit fatigued and a bit fed up and a bit over it, you know, so yeah. now I'm getting a bit stabby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the perfect description about how we're all starting to feel. A bit stabby. It's, day? Oh, I
1: don't really know. A bit stabby. Maybe
0: a bit stabby. It's like, oh, I know. <laughs> oh, uh, shall, shall, shall we go somewhere today for lunch that only serves soup? Just as a precaution. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> Just in case. Uh, um, but uh, it is the weird thing to see how people have adapted during this i mean like you say right I, we'll, we'll dive straight into career wise we've been very lucky on the show because i've got to talk to various different people from various different disciplines and my god like you have such a, a, a body of work going so many by i mean before we'd got to know each other and, and off the top of my head i think we first met, I want to say, at Kelvin Brawl, maybe, or something like that. I want to say, that might be right, or maybe we did the audio bit, but I don't think we met before then. Um, Kelvin uh, Brawl, if you don't know what it was, was a big wrestling event that was put on here in Scotland. It featured Rab Florence, who you guys might know from Burniston or um, writing for uh, God, so many things, video games yeah. and, and what have you to check out.
1: For,
0: and he's. He's. Of course, yeah. Huge wrestling fan. Uh, I think that's the first time we met. But you have uh, been a, an actor, comedy actor, serious actor going all the way back. I mean, I'd I known all about you going all the way back to Velvet Soup. And I think as well, I saw you in. I think I went and saw the BBC, which was a channel flopping thing. I can't even remember it. Uh, there's so many different things, so many different things. Uh, they...
1: When Where... this was off fields. When right. this was off
0: fields. Remember uh, that? Remember yeah. that? Remember all that right. was a presto.
1: Remember that was a presto. Yeah. I, was, I was here when they were just starting the acting. <laughs> you know, we got a big lump stone and we started making some acting. <laughs> so, uh, no, back to the 80s, I think I started that. Oh but it all God. started as a dare, really. Really? Yeah, it was a complete dare. Uh, right i was that generation that um you know i was plonked in front of the telly and all that and just right watching the tell of my granny and everything the usual kind of scottish west coast of scotland dysfunctional family my ma would run away with me or my dad would run away with me and the only constant was a was a television <laughs> So i used to watch step toe and son and all that stuff and yeah impersonations i found out quite early that uh, i could make my big brother's pals laugh and thought oh hello and yes. moving schools and all that a lot so i found it was the classic sort of way to stop getting kickings basically was that make people laugh be a moving target just zigzag a lot yeah uh, so that and my dad was a film projectionist so i think right. that influenced us as well uh and i but coming for springburn uh it wasn't the kind of life to be an actor really you know it's like you're Folk don't get it though. It's,
0: it, it, it's folk don't get it. It's not something in Scotland you're meant to do. Particularly when you're from certain classes or certain areas. It's like you're meant to you meant to get a job in a factory, you meant uh. to have two point five kids, you're not meant to do anything like that. So how did you make that jump then? I mean, you're making guys laugh in the playground. You, I know you've got a great love of film as well, which I'm sure has come from, you know, your, your dad and what have you. Yeah. But wh- 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 what made that leap then? Was it something you got interested in school or
1: or, or where think, did we go? I think I just I, I was just quite infatuated with TV and film and things. And, and I kind of wanted to do it or harboured it. And I, I was quite a, a kind of closed kid i suppose because we moved around a lot and all that, I entertained mm. myself um and i so i guess it was always there um but i just kind of scared to vocalize it and then yeah. my, my later teens started looking into it i thought how would you do something like that yeah. and so i got a prospectus and stuff but just never had the guts pardon me to see it through and thought how do you find addition pieces what's an addition piece yeah um, and all that and so as time went on i just didn't i kept bottling it, basically. And did right. other things, and then one night I was at a party. Me and my best mate, at the time Ian Muir were both unemployed, didn't know where we were going in life, uh, kicking about doing various odds and sods, right. and we were at somebody's party. Uh, uh, quite, we'd, i um, would salt your intelligence, we'd had a wee drink, and uh, and Ian said he he'd been a joiner but never finished his apprenticeship as you right. got in those days. He said they've asked me, he'd get a foot in the door at the Citizens Theatre, right, to work. And they said, uh, would, would you be an extra in the next show? And and Ian was like, what? And had absolutely no <laughs> uh, dreams of stage. <laughs> Ian was a terrible mumbler as well. So he right. was like, I don't want to go. And I was like, oh, what? Are they looking for anybody else? So um, that was that. He said, well, if, if you do it, I'll do it. And we went, okay. And we shook on it. And I'd been in this theatre a couple of times. And okay. And they'd spotted me i did some casual painting work and stuff because originally i painted a lot and stuff so yeah. i'd done scenery work and uh and i had the kind of look then i was slim believe it or not and had uh, a head full of hair then and i was peely wally and that was the kind of citizen's look was been kind of <laughs> white dark haired and thin it was all still kinda... is to be honest <laughs> <laughs> so uh and that's how it started so it was a day really and then i was paranoid for years that you're untrained and Right. and some people taking joy out at pointing out you can tell you've no trained the way you move your voice or that nonsense but it's Tyson on a thought it's utter nonsense it's, it's mm-hmm. horses for courses you know it used to be a close shop, but I think I'm more a watcher and an observer and I learned on the job really and I think yeah. even if I had went to drama college I probably would have hated it it just wouldn't have been for me I'd have rebelled against it I think the authority and being told how to do something because a lot of art whether well, they're painting or acting, how do you tell somebody to do it? You know, yeah, it's almost bored. like
0: deprogramming who you oh, are right. and how you learn. Exactly. Um, I'm taking nothing away from
1: anyone that is learning course, drama or
0: or, or or going that type of thing, but I think in, in we all know the voice. <laughs> we all know the voice that uh, it, it can bring out of you in drama school, but it, I mean, you've one of the things from you can see it from the diversity of work. There's real color within even the the spectrum of what you're doing i mean you're you're going between comedy and drama so everything you learned realistically was it was it on the job
1: uh yeah yeah i've never really been taught anything it's just and I, I never i've never ever had a plan um at all i've just bumbled you know everybody yeah. kind of soft the wave a wee bit and Especially in earlier years, I thought, "Oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to have to get a real job, or oh, this isn't going to last." And then <gasps> something appears. You go, "Oh, thank God! I'll keep going," you know. <laughs> and I've, I've just kind of went for there to there to there. And and yeah. would I've been lucky enough to like, and and a lot of people find this a terrible thing to say. But I'd rather be skint than do something I don't want to do. Hmm. Uh, and uh, so, thankfully, most of the time I've been lucky enough to do things because I'm interested and I like yeah. it, and there's something there that it's different. You know, it's you know, bless people who do 95s, but I've never really had to. Oh. Um, and and that's what I like about it that it's it's variety. You know, it's rather. But you built a career as a you know an incredible sort of serious actor, no. I kind of meant, no, I don't want to do that. No, I, I want to go over here. And you know, and a lot of people would say, well, that's crazy. You should have built on this, and you could have been, and you should have been, and you've messed up. <sighs> and I know that's possibly true, but I find it far more enjoyable and interesting not knowing what's coming next and sort of bouncing around various different things and going, why not? Let's give that a bash. That sounds a laugh. you know.
0: Yeah, and and again, if you're someone that's learning on the job, getting all these new experiences, stage time, stage time, just more and more and more, Isn't that a bit, isn't that what they kind of should are kind of teaching you to do, but then not do at the same time?
1: You know, because as I say, you know, as we both said, horses for courses, and I think, you know, people out there who have trained magnificent actors, there's people who have trained who are, you know, and um, there's people who are untrained, brilliant actors, there's people who are untrained who are also. Garbage actors. So, yeah. but the thing I find hard about it, looking back on it now, is if you're going to act, it, it, surely it's about experience. Yeah. And if there's people who are going to do things at 16, 17, and they're being asked to, you know, play, God knows, you know, parts that take life experience or yeah. you know, or emotional experience that they've not encountered yet, yeah. are you really going to get that for your textbook or, or sitting in a classroom where? I, I'm sorry to say, but a failed actor a lot of the time teaching you. Um,
0: I I I did a uh, I did media I did uh, TV and film production at university. Uh, now I make my job as a now I make my living as a comedian, which is kind of weird. <laughs> but, uh, but but even then, to take your point, it's like you are you, are, you have got someone there that's going. I'm going to tell you everything I did, but not I'm going to tell you everything I did so you can learn from the mistakes. I'm telling uh, yeah. you everything I did, and this is the part. This is it. This is the course. Uh, and then you get a job in TV. Well, how did I get a job in TV? Well, I don't know. I, uh, I never great. made it. <laughs> I never made it. Like, I, I remember we got, I'm see to say, Dr. David Dunn, if you're listening, three double, triple Ds, good on you. Uh, but he, <laughs> his biggest thing was that he had directed Crossroads. And I just remember thinking, what the fuck am I doing listening to a guy that directed Crossroads? Do you know what I mean? I, I want to be out there remaking The Evil Dead in the forest or something. You know, I want to be out there being silly and making every mistake I can. But I've got to ask you, like, in terms of where we are now with Scotland, with film, theatre, and television, what was it like back in the 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 eighties and nineties? Because it was a, it would have been a very different place because. I mean, you talked there about trying to find a prospectus. You had to go to a library. You had to send uh, I, away to get a prospectus. I mean, you just can't go to the internet and find out how it was done, or, or you know, get put a showreel out there and you know, hopefully people would find it. What, what was the type of work that you were able to pursue or, or, or bumble into, as you say? Well, it was, it
1: was very, very different. Um, I mean, I actually can't. start that long ago. I can't remember. But was, oh well, it, it comes in was us all at the time who. Who looked into it for me and, and went to the RSAMD, that as it was called then before it's ah. uh, what, what what was it called now that they spent thousands to change the name? Is it the RSAMD <laughs> or something? <laughs> the Royal Scottish Conservatoire. <laughs> um, so yeah, and got me best prospectus. But apart from that, the other the, the other main thing that people I don't think realise nowadays is the whole closed shop thing, which was you had to have an equity card. The yeah. then. So when I started uh, you either, I, I can't remember all the details now, you, you'd have to get into comedy or a variety act or something like that it was one way to earn it. So you'd right. get so many live performances under your belt. I think it was maybe 16 or something or okay. maybe into the 30s or something. So people had to create their own thing you try and get a book stamped or show proof receipts of some sort, of go, there you go, and take it to the union. And the union would go, mm, way up. Well, like, OK, you can officially be a member of the union now. Oh, which would hate then, stuff
0: like that. I hate <laughs> stuff like that.
1: Would then allow you to go on a stage. Uh, or I think some theatres were given, like, two cards a year, and it was, like, gold dust. So people would try and get in these theatres. And some people hoping that somehow through that they'd be good enough and it would, would be deemed to be given the equity card but still that wasn't good enough for some places probably yeah. if you wanted to work down south in the west end or something like that you needed a higher level of equity card and you had to prove that you'd you'd actually acted on a stage for however long how many months or whatever and then that was deemed you were then allowed on to the west end stage not so so there was all sorts of rules and you can see why uh, a lot of people hated actors or the pretension of them, you know. Which I found certainly in those days, being at the sets, uh, mm. because it was a lot of English actors. It gave right. me a kind of weird idea of what acting was about. So there was all these actors for London and stuff who were, who were were really good to me and still friends to this day. Who were who were beautiful. No, 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 dear boy, keep your hand in your pocket. <laughs> and buying you drinks and all the rest, of it. and we're going to supper, you know. And they'd be going to Regano's for some to eat, and they seem to live this amazing lifestyle. And they came over like these kind of rakish, wildy, and fops or something, you know, who drank and caroused, and this amazing idea of being an actor. And, and you know, if you're living in London, please come and visit. You must look me up, give me a phone. I'm, oh, hi, thanks very much. Hi, cheers, I cheers well, you know. And I
0: there's a World Cup coming up. I'll be there. <laughs>
1: and I'd, I'd look these guys up and go down and then realise that they're skint down in London, they were skint yeah. they, they were unemployed they weren't answering their phones because they were scared it was their accountant they were lying in their bed till four in the afternoon and all that, And like, hold on, but up the road they're like, oh, you know, yeah. this false staffian lifestyle and that's like, oh right, so it was quite a lot of bullshit being applied and then I then went to I get my equity card through the sets Right. They gave me a card one year. And of course, just as I got my equity card, the rules changed and anybody could be involved. So I'd worked all these years to try and get the equity card, got it, and it was completely invalid, and anybody could do it, and they're like, Oh, Jesus. And then I became part of the establishment that that kind of I was complaining about because suddenly I've gone so you can just walk in a pub and he could get my job. <laughs> 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 this is ridiculous. This must be stopped. Uh, and then I went to Rain Dog Theatre Company, Bobby Carlyle's Theatre Company. Yeah. And they worked from Washington Street Arts Centre in Glasgow, which sadly closed now. Yeah. And I getting in there for the first time. We were doing a version of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, was their first production. And I walked in and there was two guys sitting in a wee makeshift canteen they'd made. And they were talking about football and all that. And uh, they were talking about the game. And and one of them talked about the big Indies card being gone and all that. And I thought, obviously technicians. (laughs) 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 And then I realised they were actors. And I thought, what? So you can be Glazewitcher to talk your own accent and be an actor, because I've been in this weird goldfish bowl of the Citizens Theatre, and I'll take are... this velvet <laughs> jacket off straight away. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that oh, please, my hat, my cane—I shall need it no more. Get me a Celtic tap. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I—that's. you think the sets was in the heart of the Gorbals, But yeah, that's quite sort of uh, world-renowned sort of theatre, but incredibly sort of false ideas of, of what it gave you about what acting was. And then the next thing, the opposite end of the extreme, that's people almost outdoing each other for like, what scheme did you come for? Right. <laughs> you know, how rough are you? No. Like, All right, okay. So um so uh, it was very, very different. And even to also to talk in Scots then was weird.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, so- that's
1: what was unusual about Rain Dog, you know, so to talk in your own accent. And what we did when we first had some, that one flew over the cuckoo's nest was uh, to talk over each other, to interrupt each other, to talk naturally. Uh, right. Uh, which just didn't happen before. No. You know, if you, if you look back, first of all, people had that weird Scots, which you still see on tell if you look at old episodes of Take the High Road. It's that strangely affected Scots that people have. Or even when they're angry, if you come over here, I'll punch you right in the jaw in a minute. I'll rip your jaw. Well, it did slash me. <laughs> General
0: Beard, uh... I hope General Butler's watching. That's all I've got to say. I hope General Butler's watching. Well, uh... is,
1: uh, what, what do you want call it? Oh, what's her face for Bells Hill? The uh, 95, his singer. He's got that weird American Scots thing. Oh, and...
0: the uh, what, Gloria. No, it's not Gloria <laughs> Estefan. Oh. Oh, Gloria Estefan. I don't know. What's her name? She's oh, Easton.
1: Gina Easton, thank you. you know, she had Gloria Estefan. glorious for messages and I just tripped right over the sidewalk. <laughs> oh, mind your heat in the windy.
0: Oh God, uh, but, it's...
1: it was completely different times for things like that, and and yeah. they quite revolutionary that way. You know, take yeah, a, also to take a film and put it on stage, and to do and uh, do it in Scots, and I to change rhythm patterns and stuff and bring music in as well a lot of the music we used um so i and people were like oh my god and and also this was starting to, you're then starting to come into the times of early that time it was you're moving in early 90s as well yeah at that point we were hitting things like rave culture uh and uh train spotting uh, yeah everyone's a good pal and everyone was writing train now i remember everyone had written this book and we didn't know what it was no, I remember somebody said Evan's got a publisher. Oh good <laughs> 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 oh good for him. Smash.
0: Oh smashing great
1: news. Great news. Weird title. Um so all these things came kind of as well, that kind of gathered as well, that kinda changed how we were looking at things, I think. I mean yeah. one of the posters I've no got it about here, but Bobby Carlyle and I did a poster for we did a version of this show called um, "Conquest of the South Pole." and Bobby and I designed the poster, and it's Bobby wearing, uh, you know, a dust mask with, right. with a marker. And and people used to nick the poster all the time because it just kind of locked into kind of rave culture, and people oh, of were course. just yeah wearing masks and kind of sniffing stuff and what have you. Um, so, I uh, that kind of all. So it was about this new kind of confidence was starting to appear about Scotland and acting and and yeah. voices and uh it all kind of was slowly kind of coming together and changing. Because,
0: you know. I mean, obviously we, like, we'd we seen in like the, the 70s and the 80s, you would have had, like, Play of the Day and stuff that was being Pierre produced Maduro. in school. Yeah, yeah, it, but it wasn't really... You're right, it did seem to be opening up, even the 90s, talking about... Uh, um, i'll call him bobby i don't know him uh but <laughs> uh, like so bobby my mate bobby carlisle uh was doing like say hamish Macbeth and what have right. you and even bbc scotland had gone back to trying to produce like some of their own comedy content uh it did seem to be that there was a new wave like you say a new confidence that was almost coming up that was really in place in glasgow someone like me that was a little out in the sticks you would get to see flavors of it so Right about this time, what what are you thinking in terms of? Because, like you say, you're you're being hungry. You're you're you know you're going after things, or or things are coming your way. Are you starting to feel a vein for anything in particular? You're going to where did you make the the jump back into comedy, so to speak? Because I'm hearing about elements of serious acting, and I'm hearing about you doing little bits, but there seemed to be a vein there. where You plugged into almost the 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 comedy scene.
1: No, not really. I think. Again, it's like I say, I just was all over the place. I never, ever had a plan. Uh, It was straight acting that I did at the sets, really. It was all classics and what have you. Although I I would end up kind of... My sort of default position's always been comedy, but I think that's been a defence mechanism. So I I kind of end up doing kind of comic roles in the Mm sets. We would add things, you know, I'd be like a kind of butler... And somebody would whisper something in my during rehearsals as a dare, you know, and hey, that's just for a laugh, see what happens. And I would do a crazy prat fall as I announced somebody to come in or something like that. And just anything to get a cheap laugh, I was terrible, you know. But there's comedy
0: in real life, there's comedy even in the most tragic, you know, even in the most yeah. tragic, dramatic circumstance. I mean, I, I shot myself in a seesaw three weeks ago, but I didn't need to tell you that. <laughs> um, But you know what I mean. There's always some something that'll happen, and I won't even tell you what. Listen, my father-in-law nearly pegged himself on a bit of fence outside, and that was one of the funniest things I've ever (laughs) seen. Especially as he bent down, and his the tone changed. I didn't think I was going to be a part of his first experience like that, but clearly it was. But there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of humour in All in right. real life. Do you think that prepared you? Because even though I mean, you you've said it yourself, you get actors that cannot do comedy. They cannot have an element of improvisational timing. You know that uh, off kilter, uh, but you were you were able to bring that. Do you think that helped
1: your career? Possibly, I think so. I think I'm making people laugh, or survival instinct or defense mechanism always does. And I think that I that has been my go to. But I don't yeah. think I recognized it or was aware of it or conscious of it. I think it was just something I fell back on all the time. Oh, yeah. trouble, make them laugh, make them laugh. You don't realize you're doing it. And so, yeah. I, you know, so in the sets, I think I was a kind of. Um, some kind of mascot in a way. I wasn't a traditional actor, and I think the sort of the the people at the top, like Giles Havergill and stuff, that, you know. I don't know why we employ him, but I, I sort of like him <laughs> <laughs> <You'd come> around. <laughs> um, and then I go to Rain Dog, and then we started doing. I think we did John Burns, um Slab Boys. Oh, and right. We, we did the whole, all, almost the whole trilogy and one, of in one at Elements them and one show. And I met uh, Andy Gray, Gerard Kelly. And, and Davey Heyman. So meeting people like that, I think, were my first kind of meeting Scottish sort of funny people. Yeah. Right? Uh, so there was a bit of that. And then people who were coming to see the show were people like Robbie Coltrane and and, and Friends of the Heirs and things. So people had spotted me, but I didn't know this. Uh and again, because the one thing I would say that's good about drama school is connections and people knowing each other, who you get in touch with, and all that kind of thing. I was just like, oh, what, what do you do? How do you? I don't know how you do stuff. Pardon me." And people would say, "You should get in touch with you. and like, who's that? You know why? Oh, okay. And how do I do that? And, well, I send your CV and headshot. A CV and headshot. <laughs> so it was constantly learning on the job. But no, uh, there was no plan. I bumbled. I think. Uh, the next thing was, I think somebody saw me uh, during that and I did Parahandy or something, I had a wee part. Oh, my um, God. But, but also all these things, you know, I always had different connections and different things because there was no plan, you know, because yeah. I, I've always loved music, I've always loved musicians, but I don't play anything. So right. I think, you know, actors always want to be musicians, musicians always want to be actors. Um, so all that kind of stuff. And, and I've, it's just been a kind of gun approach, Billy, all the time. You know, I just, uh, as I say, kind of, I've just bumbled along. And then Scotland being Scotland, it's quite a wee village anyway. So you, you kind of connect again or come yeah. back around in each other and stuff, you know.
0: Your name but, will come up somewhere. If you're doing something right, your name fine. will come up somewhere. Um, so uh, all this stage background, we, you know, we'll come back to the, the stage stuff certainly in a little minute. Where did what was the first TV job? Was it an advert? Was it anything small? Oh. Anything big? I mean, you mentioned Para Handy for anyone that's watching. I believe that's the the remake they did with Gregor Fisher. That's right, yeah. Do you do no. a remake? We'll call it a remake. The the remake well, they did in the nineties. Three,
1: four yeah. Para Handy, actually. Um, yeah, there was another one, wasn't there? There was the. It's been made. I can't. Gosh, I can't remember. Everybody says Roddy McMillan, but there was one before Roddy McMillan, and then oh, there was there one was. after Roddy McMillan. And, and there's tons of them. Um, not my first ever job, funnily enough, was, was a really weird one. that happened through the sets. Okay. You should get in touch with such and such. Right. Um, and I think the, the other interesting thing is I think because I didn't know how things worked, it, st- it, it kept me in good stead. So I was going to auditions or going to things and I didn't know the rules. Right. So I just was in being myself, really. And I think... That worked for you or worked against you because people were, you were a breath of fresh air, or who is this guy? Uh, Or other people just thought, who is this guy? (laughs) You know, uh, who who does he think he is? Uh, Or he's not playing by the rules. But then they might remember
0: you in that next one, uh, that next project down the line, you know?
1: And I did it. It was my first one was a live studio audience uh, television when STV used to do live studio audiences. And it was a thing called My Dead Dad. Oh, God, my dead dad with Forbes Mason. Aye. I only remember seeing the adverts
0: for them looking for members of the audience, but I never saw an episode in all fairness. (laughs) I never saw an episode. Oh, God.
1: Maybe on YouTube or something, but uh, I did that, an episode of that, where I played a waiter who was meant to be a waiter of uh, an old football player that owned a restaurant, and we had the restaurant live on stage, and my joke was that I was this French waiter. And then at the very, very end, Forbes can he pay the bill and and feigns a heart attack. And I freak out and I come out as Broad Glaswegian and that was the guy. But they had people like Ali McLeod was there, Gordon McQueen, uh, who else? It was just a whole host of all these famous footballers. And I hate football. (laughs) So it was really, for a lot of people, it would have been a dream. But I'm sitting in the green room like that. Who are these people? And Fred, it was where I first met Fred Macaulay as well. Fred was the warm up man.
0: I was about to say about your studio warm up, yeah, yeah.
1: Because uh, Fred was sent me. He was like, "How are you?" And I said, like, "Oh, I'm quite nervous. I've never done this before, and all that." Right. And he was, like, "Ah, well, I'm I'm an accountant, and I'm just starting to get into a bit of stand up. <laughs> so, so I, um, so that was my my first ever. So it was a, a good kind of baptism of fire as well." In front of that, that combination of live studio audience, but you're doing a telly. You know, how do you play it and where do you play it to? And asking actors, like, if you any tips, you know, and less is more, you know, just don't do much when you're on a camera. It's totally different for theater acting. And uh, God, if I saw it now, I, I took it literally. I look like a lump of wood, you know, sponsored oh. by the Forestry Commission. I'm just like, ah. <laughs>
0: oh, it's a pure like if you do anything on I, I guess that's why I'm quite happy I really only have one gear, to be honest. <laughs> but but any time I've ever worked in it like my like, if I do it if I have a presenting style, it's far from subtle, <laughs> I can assure you that. <laughs> um but um but acting, yeah, acting on the screens are completely different kind of fish. Uh, and back then, I mean, like you say back in the day, I mean, STV here in, in um in Scotland, for people that won't know, is the equivalent of ITV. Um yeah. But we used to do just like you guys would big te- well big T V productions like the The Funny Farm was probably yeah. Funny Farm and My Dead Dad were probably the two things S T V did. That that and Hogman A second <laughs> meeting. Uh, thank you, Jake. oh uh, th- God. <laughs> uh, 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 an interview with Stanley Baxter every now and then. That's about as far as we would get to do. Uh, but it's a completely different discipline. So from that first experience. Uh, from my dad, dad, which I can't believe I've just suddenly remembered. His dad was a big, tall fella with a kind of Terry Nutkins haircut it. and orange
1: hair. I that's remember, back, uh, Roy Scanlon. That's who ah, right, right I, went, right. I went on to work with Roy later on, which was then, uh, my first big-ish telly. It was a thing called Taking Over the Asylum, and Roy was in that. Uh, Taking Over the Asylum was David Tennant's big break. Yes. And um, Ken Stott. Uh, I know Roy Hanlon was in that as well. Great actor, very funny man. He was brilliant. Uh, yeah. He played Forbes' dad. It was great.
0: Uh, yeah, because I remember there being a bit where uh, he finds out he's got, a, he's got a psychic link with his son while he's chatting to a woman. Like they
1: kind of link through their stomach or something. It's almost like this psychic. Yeah. And if it, they get too far away, they kind of...
0: Yeah, basically it was Bluetooth. It was Bluetooth. <laughs> 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 and he's trying to tell Forbes, Mason, oh, you're talking to her quick... Put your tongue in on mouth. <laughs> funny. Look, we we might be making it sound slightly funnier than it was, but <laughs> um I don't know. There wasn't a second season or series, no. if you like put it that way. Well,
1: it a stage play. That was the thing. Yeah. It's stretched in a six part series, you know. Oh, man, that's uh,
0: crazy. Well well talking about yeah, getting into the, the, the comedy side of things a little more um, it would be all us, and I know there will be people watching want to know, we will get back to the stage acting and all the other work, I've got so many questions, I don't know if we'll get into a, part, a one part thing, I'm going to say that right now uh, I've got so many questions about all the other stuff but we have to talk about um, we have to talk about still we'll have uh, yep. a never, me neither <laughs> not, n- not a
1: fan <laughs> not as... <laughs> I'm a monster <laughs>
0: oh my God we've got to talk a little bit about still game on more of your journey into still game I would like to have a a, a wee chat about because uh, you're saying about it's making connections we knew it was a for those that don't know it was a it was a stage play it, it kicked things off as a stage play how did you get involved with uh, would it have been Ford and Greg how, how did you guys well,
1: well again funnily enough it would have been 96 right um, uh, Greg, first of all It was a thing called um, Pulp Video Pulp so- Video! <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: mean, I had questions about Pulp Video But I'm delighted you brought it up Because we all thought it was a sequel to like Naked video. video Or
1: something I just said words so no, that was-
0: <laughs> well, I just remember that There was Naked Video And then that went off the air And a couple of years later There was Pulp Video And I remember being a Naked Video fan Being very excited This is like the sequel This is like the sequel it's
1: And cool. uh, we, we did a pilot Uh, we auditioned for that, then we did a pilot, and then eventually they changed the team a bit and all the rest, and we did a series. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Ford came in, I can't know if it was the pilot or something, he came in to play a couple of things, and then he came in on the series, he did a character, a DJ called Larry Logan, and a couple of other bits and bobs. And during that, aboard them, well, Greg and I played these two old men, in a couple of sketches, one of them being uh, down in Ayrshire, funnily enough, uh, and we were sitting at a, a, a play park eating ice cream. Right. And Greg's going, you know, the bloody well, music's changed so much now, you know, you've got your jazz, you've got your acid jazz, you've got your dub, you've got your reggae dub, you've got your house. And, and this list went on and on and on. Well, he's doing it, I'm just licking the cone and licking the cone. And the punchline was eventually, I just turned around to him and go, I, I know. Um, and we did another couple of things and it was ford said you know there's something in these guys and these old guys right Uh, and i don't know if greg and ford wrote it or it was just ford but he came in and there was these two sketches and and we did again those were in front of a live studio audience uh and that was the kind of creation of the characters i was originally winston right. but Winston, my Winston was very different. He was a really shaky, doddery old guy. You can get that on YouTube and you'll see the difference. Yeah. Um, but but the, the one thing I do remember about that is when we walked in front of the live studio the audience, Alan Tyler was the warm-up guy. Oh. And, and we were waiting on lights or set being sorted or something like that. And the three has just started ad-libbing to the audience. Uh, mm. As these old men, and we just realized it was utterly brilliant. We could get away with utter filth and nonsense <laughs> because we were old men, you know. <laughs> and we were loving it, making each other howl. Like, this is terrific. There's something in this. Yeah. And wrote the stage play. I was doing it up to the last minute, but I was doing a, I was doing a kids' telly show at the time. Right. With, well, enough, Michael Hines, who then went on to do uh, Still Game, was directing. Um, so I couldn't do it. Uh, I had to pull out, and Paul Riley came in and became Winston, and the rest was history really.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I went on to do Velvet Soup, the boys went on to do Tune the Fart yep. uh, and then it kind of came together, I was doing another thing called Snoddy, and they asked me to come in audition for It's a policeman uh, thing,
0: Police, Aye, Lee Gregor
1: yeah. um, <laughs> We don't talk about <laughs> <laughs> And the boys asked me to audition for Still Game uh the buggers because it was all kind of the parts got to be right and it's got to be this and it's got to be that <laughs> i'm like what and i was literally working downstairs in the comedy unit and they got me upstairs for an addition and i thought i've done tons of things I've done, for <laughs> I've done the baldy man we've done you know pulp video i've done God, loads of stuff nisbet and you've got me additionally to play a barman. That's a bit, you know. Eagle was a bit insulted. And uh, and it turned out it was a wind up. There was nobody else at all up for the fuck. Ah. <laughs> Just them um, uh, making me jump through hoops with them. Like, Look, we've been doing all right for ourselves. Like, ah, thanks, guys. I Because originally it was Billy McElhaney, who used to be in River City, played Bobby. Right. Uh, but he got an uh, Irvin Welsh theatre show down south, called, beautifully, You'll Have Hid Your Hole. It was gone.
0: <laughs> Sometimes you wonder what the rest of the planet must make of us. <laughs> <laughs> we're, off to,
1: we're off to see a production of You've Had Your Home.
0: Yeah. it's Or even like, it's like, well, make sure you're not too Scottish. Well, what's the name of this? Up Your Shaft. <laughs> it's like, fantastic. <laughs> I expect
1: a yeah,
0: try not to be too Scottish. Put this kilt on, would you? <laughs> <laughs> They so no bother, um...
1: so left it opening me. and then I came and I became Bobby, and then it changed a lot. I think that's where the two pound shipwreck and no, all that kind of came for a wee bit. It was the boys kind of got sticking it to me a wee bit? Um, and then as time went on, that slightly backfired because people kind of started to like him and felt sorry for him, you yeah. Know, it, walking about an old woman would come up to you got an old son you know it's terrible the way they they, they treat you and talk you know, <laughs> you know, you know. so I was getting loads of old granny hugs in the streets and stuff um and then as time went on you realize Bobby's quite a good guy as well he, he cares about them uh yeah. cares about them all really. he's got a heart of He when they say any harm come to them I always Sorry. think the best kind of thing about Bobby is it's the episode where uh, they've got Jim Watt and Bobby yeah. and Stevie are fighting over Jim Watt's daughter uh, and when they come to take the the bets on the fight, and Jack says to Victor, "He's like, what well, you're betting on Bobby, but Bobby's a wanker." And and Victor says, "Aye, but he's your wanker," and and that's kind of Bobby, you know. Yeah, he's
0: yeah, yeah. Our wanker. It, <laughs> so because yeah. it, they became like. um it became an extended family. It was It's an example of what we'll see in the streets in every pub and every close and every, uh, uh, you know, estate all across right. Scotland. Uh, there is a Bobby, there is a Jack, there is a Victor. Oh, you know, these. there's, well, there's length, always those things the family. You
1: know, because it is on Netflix and what have you, I've been amazed, you know, that I've been spotted in various places and uh, and people who have come up to me, you know, and I've been spotted in like, Paris, Barbados, the States. And during the end of the festival, a woman came up to me babbling, and I was like, fucking hell, what's in? She's like pulling at me, and I couldn't make out a what she was saying. I was like, what's this? What's this? And a guy came down next to say, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, she's Brazilian, and she's like, <laughs> you game fan. So, like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, she calmed down and eventually started explaining how much she loved the show, and her mum loved the show, and how they'd learned English from the show, and, uh, you know, my mum, she say hello, she said say cheerio, she say, two pints prick like, oh, ah, that's funny you know, all you need. that's all you need to know in the English language well hey, welcome
0: listen, to imagine they're going to do a Brazilian remake and you're <laughs> the only member of the original cast that they kept there it is this brilliant bar next to this gorgeous ocean <laughs> all, all these great. wonderful Brazilian actors Bobby <laughs> just right there
1: We'd love to see that the ballot and everything. you wouldn't have to change
0: much. I mean, obviously, you've had all these other little—I don't want to say little—you've had all these other little bits of success that have all built to other things. So it's these, these almost two parallel careers. Because in terms of like still game, it's become such a—I a, mean, as Rabsy and Esma did, maybe to to my generation. Yeah. Because uh, I remember being as being as. I don't, I'm not one age myself here, but being a primary school and there's a there's a Scottish show on the telly. Yeah. You know, it was a big thing. Like even growing up with my brothers, we would watch absolutely Scottish voices on the TV was huge. And your, your 10 and nine year olds that experienced still game then got to experience it again a decade later and then took their kids, you know, to go and see it at the hydro. It became such a, a cultural thing. What was that like from, from your point of view? And, and really it's... For an entire country to embrace it. It's uh, it's I, it's crazy.
1: I still uh, to be honest with you, Billy, don't comprehend it. Really. Because hmm. you try and think about it, your head kinda explodes. <laughs> it's really hard to get your head around because I'm exactly the same as you, although older. So I go back to the things we we're talking about earlier about play for today and things, and every yeah. generation has those things where, you know, Peter McDougall's uh, just a boys game. We were going to school the next day going, You're T MacArthur <laughs> uh, or you know when, when the generation that watched Nisbet would go into school and quote Rab and all that Oh yeah. then people would quote and tune the fat. now people, you know, will still quote still game or people turn and go wait a minute, sorry, excuse me a minute Bobby wait you see this and they'll get their Wayne to see Lane lights. <laughs> you. you know, I was in, a, in Glasgow airport and I met an old a, an old pal from school I hadn't seen in Donkey's years and he get his two kids to act out scenes and one of them was about five or six the other one's about seven or
0: eight and all that. Oh, yeah, prick and all that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but, a buddy uh, of mine's likened it to um, to faulty Towers. And I, I went, what do you mean by that? And I mean, it is something that just seems to be ageless. It just, it, it's, it, it seems to keep, it, you get the feeling it's going to keep rolling, even though obviously you guys aren't making any new episodes and you're not doing any live thing. But before you guys came back from that, well, we say second run. Uh, When you did those couple of new series, Um, it was still like you said, found its way on DVD. Found
1: a whole new audience on DVD. I think again, I think it was just perfect storm of circumstances. I think because it was a slow grower still game. You know, it wasn't yeah. an instant hit at all. When it first came out, didn't have a huge audience. I think it, it just slowly, slowly built up. And it was by about the, maybe the third series that was starting to really pick up. Then it sort of took off. And then DVDs were, were starting to sell and come out then. And it kind of picked up on that. And you would meet a lot of people who were going on holiday and all that going, oh, we were just watching you in Thailand. like, what? You know, we're on holiday We, we take it ways, And at night We'd all watch Still game and all. It's such a
0: Scottish thing To do isn't it We're on the other <laughs> side Of the planet It's like We well, better put something Scottish on otherwise <laughs> well, Take well, the
1: still game DVD We
0: <laughs> here, as Here we are In the Caribbean What we having for dinner Sausage egg and chips It's, <laughs> it's just That's that fun. idea I'll not be going Nowhere uh, Listen I'll not be going Nowhere in the Arctic Till I get a full Scottish breakfast i tell you that Me tight Scottish
1: um, so I was, it was all, all these kind of So it slowly, slowly built up, um, uh, unbeknownst to us, just how much it was. Yeah. So much so that when we did sort of have that break, uh, and people thought we're exaggerating, but every single day for what, seven years, nine years before we're back on telly, wow. people would go, he's coming back, when he's coming back, when he's coming back, when he's coming back. Oh, come on, come on. And uh, I, without fail, or still to this day, I mean, it's virtually impossible to go out at some point in the day, somebody's gonna to say two-punch a prick or <laughs> shout Bobby, you know, and you think it's nearly 20 years, you know, it, it, it's it's mad. And I always think it's summed up with, when we did come back and people, we couldn't believe that response, you know, it was might be Four Nights at the Hydro, and I remember saying to Paul that plays uh, Winston, you know, I said, like, Paul, do you think we can do this? You know, Because my agent at the time, no longer my agent, <laughs> take that whoever you ask <laughs> uh, i mean gavin seriously do you think you can play the hydro? because it's, it's a very big room and all that and i was like well i think so i you know i i, I kind of think there's enough goodwill that we can do a gig you know and then when i heard we're doing four i thought ooh, you know? and then within However many days it was, we were up to 21 the first run. That's crazy. Which was mind blown for everybody. None of us could get our head around. That it was just ins- insane. I don't,
0: I don't know. think that'll nobody ever happen was again.
1: Number of gigs, uh, and nobody would yeah. ever done in like that before either, yeah. The kind a of theatre show on that scale. So so that was mind-blowing. But somebody tweeted us at one point just saying, now do you see how much we missed you? Oh. And and I thought that was really beautiful. And, and, and those things, once you connected live on that scale. And it sounds really corny, but it's true. But that amount, I kind of love coming back to you and the room yeah. and the standing ovations every night. You're just like, oh, my God. It really kind of freaked your head out quite a bit. You thought, yeah. I never quite realised just what we, how important we were or touch people so much. You know, it's quite weird.
0: I don't think that'll ever happen again. Like, shows, like, particularly in Scotland, it would tend to be when something's finished. It's finished. Yeah, like it doesn't come back. We, like you say, maybe it was that perfect storm of you know DVD sales and the internet and these new things getting created. Because then you started seeing, and I'm only comparing it like so to uh, you saw Family Guy coming back and Futurama coming back. And, and...
1: also, like other thing is you know yourself that and you know you get involved in projects and you say to people, so what what what's this aimed at? Who what's this? Uh, you know. And, well, we're looking at a kind of target audience of kind of five-year-olds to 95-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Pretty broad then. And, so, and you're always looking for the audience that they don't have because they can't even be arsed with telly. They're enjoying themselves or they're doing this, that and the other. And, and I agree that I don't think things will happen again because TV fundamentally has changed now. You know, you can watch it whenever you want. There's so many other ways to watch it. and You've got Netflix, et cetera, and but also if you knew how to do these things we'd all be doing it you could yeah and i think none of us realized just how big still game was going to be and that it would become a kind of family watching thing you know from from grandchildren right through to grandparents and parents not that everybody sat and watched it which is it's hard to think of many shows that people will do that strictly (laughs) but (laughs) maybe but I, um, so I think that was the other thing that worked in our favour that, 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 that it, it kind of gelled people. It, it was quite inclusive that way, you
0: know. Yeah. How, how was it to be, Because I think any actor, any performer, any writer very rarely gets to see the whole arc of a story, gets to see the whole arc of a character. I mean, obviously, yeah, you guys went to the Hydro, became huge again, but then for there to be an end game. Yeah, of 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 sorts. Unless we end up doing a a, a George Lucas in this, and there's going to be three mercy <laughs> calls with an entire new generation, and Bobby's the Obi wan Kenobi of all this, right? <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not giving any idea If anyone's watching and that happens, I'll take ten percent. Uh, but uh, uh, as That's Gab's some, new agent, no. <laughs> uh, here are your two pints, and they just float across the bar. Uh, but um. Very rarely do you get an opportunity to do that. I mean, you don't. I mean, if you do a piece uh you know, on a theatre or a, a play, that's a completely different thing. Yeah. But to see it against such a a long period of time, was that satisfying for you, or what? were you, what were your feelings towards that? Were you excited to being able to bring that closure?
1: I know. It's, again, it's really weird because you have no. You be off the map. Here be dragons. <laughs> there's, there's just nothing to compare it to. Uh, Yeah. So there's no reference point and nobody even to really speak to you about it. We were all kind of going, oh, you just kind of went with the flow, really. It was amazing, you know, because up till then, Velvet Soup, I think, had been the longest I'd worked with people. We were a team for about seven years. Yeah. But we worked with people for nearly 20 years right from the start. And for it to continue, you know, I mean, because you talk, you know, Faulty Towers is what, 12 episodes? 12 episodes, yeah. Still, game is over 60 odd episodes. And for all the, you know, the criticisms that started to happen over the kind of media we have now and social media, and everybody wants their voice to be heard, and it's not as good as it used to be, and it's no this and it's no that, you You try writing one episode, never mind (laughs) writing over 60 episodes, that's still game. Um, And also, a lot of people used to say that about older episodes. It's classic, do you know what I mean? And then, as yeah. time goes by, people go, oh, do you know what? Well, that's one of my favourites. <laughs> yeah. uh, which is another great sign of the show, I think. Everybody can name episodes and specific ep- episodes and lines and what have you. But I think, um it was weird, you know, because it certainly felt like unfinished business, the way yeah. that it for a while. Uh, and felt like we'd kind of short-changed t- the fans a wee bit. And so I always felt kind of, now nah, we've got to the, the, the circle has to be complete uh, for the sake of the fans. And, and I remember meeting Greg for a coffee and he was talking about his, like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. Brilliant. I think that'll be brilliant. Although the, the hydro was scary. Yeah. Uh, but then it was like, wow, that kind of blew, blew our minds. And then we came back on telly. So the chance to then come back after that time uh, and the world had changed a lot as well. Very much, that? yeah. That's the other thing. You know, those episodes are still game you probably would never get away with now. You know, whether it be language, subject matter uh, and kind of woke stuff and all that, where people would be like, whoa, clutching on visible perils about some of the things. <laughs> doing um, so I, which we could get away with on stage, but yeah. coming back to TV was different. Um, and then for me personally, it was about a year, a year and a half before we knew we were going to finish. I'd said to Greg one morning, uh, we, we were in the van and I said to him, do you know Greg, I, I think we should start putting bits of grey on Bobby's wig, you know, because he's just, you know, it's, it's, I'm starting to look ridiculous, you know, I mean, I've mean, i just got this big black wig and the way that we were filming it, things were looking a bit darker and I was getting older looking, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I needed less makeup, I needed more. And, uh, <laughs> So I and I thought like, it just I think we should age him up a wee bit, just give him a wee bit of grey at the sides and all that. Yeah. Greg, no. I'd spoken to the makeup girls and they were like, I agree. And we put in a wee bit, but it wasn't a reading. And Greg said, All right. We we I, I, I really closely there is grey in Bobby's hair, but you just don't <laughs> see it now. And uh and Greg went, No, no, no. Don't want to do that, it's not happening. Uh, because that's how the show ends. And i was like, Hey, what are you talking about? Oh, and and he had known. For a long, long time, is like right how we've always seen it is, and he told me, and he told me what the final scene was, and yeah. we're not absolutely sure, but we're pretty sure this will how it'll finish. And I instantly choked up. I just had this big ball in my throat. It was like, oh my god, because I just wasn't expecting it. You know, yeah. you're working the morning, and I was probably hungover, and <laughs> <laughs> but I just kind of caught me out and thought, God, that's that's really beautiful, but yeah. it's also really tragic. You know, and you think, Bobby never, ever moved on. Uh, and we all know that kind of story, the guy who gets stuck there. You know, yeah. he stuck there when he was 18, and that's how his life ended. Everybody's yeah. gone, and Bobby's alone, still in the Klansman, still working behind the bar. And there's people go, oh, "That's it's really beautiful, and it's so neat," but it's also quite horrible. <laughs> it's pretty, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's pretty tragic, but quite real. And I, I, think, I think so. It's quite heartbreaking, it's, sort of. it, but what a beautiful, heartbreaking way to kind of end it all. You yeah, know, it's
0: it's a different reader. I guess it depends on how you. Oh, it, yeah. it's it's there for people to perceive. Some people are like, you know, he's exactly where he wants to be, or yeah. he feels he needs to be there, and that's what stops people from moving on. Sometimes they feel like I need to be here. Uh, is he there for you, the viewer? selfish viewer uh, is he uh, there? <laughs> is he is he there for you guys uh oh i i i thought it was a tremendous end and I thought everyone I thought it was, I thought normal, it was i think a, but
1: really beautiful and really brave and I thought uh, generally what Ford and greg did i thought was incredibly brave you know it takes something and decide to walk away yeah. when we could easily have kept going and going and going and going and going and I'm sure people would have been quite happy for us to do so but i thought it was fantastic going no yeah. we we kill it and this is how we take control and we kill it this way and then we we have a big hooli and say goodbye live and that's it you know and and then a lot of people were still going no you're at it no you're at it you did this before but like, no we didn't do it before we've never done this before there was there was a break but we never officially broke uh, yeah it's not really over i think you'll mm. find it is <laughs>
0: Kind of felt like it was over, you I know. It's uh, if um,
1: you saw the live show, it's kind of no, it's done, you know. It's it's done. Done. Uh, but I think that that's a quite remarkable, beautiful thing, and I think seals it really nicely. I think that keeps it and it's preserved, yeah. hopefully, you know.
0: I don't, I don't, and I think it's because of the way you guys brought it to a close, it helps preserve it, like you're saying, will help extend it even, even yeah. further, you know, it'll be something like people go back, it's like, I guess my friend's point about Faulty Towers, there it is it'll, yeah. it'll ever forever be there.
1: A, you know, faulted, if there were 60 odd episodes of Faulty Towers, yeah. would it destroy the legacy? Would it destroy the, the, the humour? And you know? if they brought
0: it back now, That's... well why, uh, why, why tarnish a, a, a perfect thing? I've got to ask you about a couple of things of career. And I realise I've kept you, uh, you here for so long. I really appreciate it, I really appreciate it. Uh, but I've got a couple of things I need to uh, talk to you about. Uh, first time I ever got to see you on stage performing was when you did Casablanca. Uh, uh, ah.
1: Yeah, and yeah.
0: it was a few years ago now, and I remember, I remember reading about it because uh, it's interesting what you said about you know films making a transition to uh, stage and, and vice versa, I remember going, I'm going to go see that this was long before I I was any type of uh, uh, comedic performer And uh, but you, the, there's a rich history that's interesting that even though at that point, I guess you would have done, let me think, so you would have done Velvet Soup and you would have certainly done some still game by that point yeah, you
1: yeah. yeah, we would yeah, have done... Casablanca is roughly about 10 years ago now. 19... About 10 years ago, 2010, yeah. Yeah, roughly, yeah. Uh, the first time we did it. was weird. It, kind of, it was a joke. Uh, another thing that's, again, classic me, really, started as a joke. But right. just, in fact, this contains a, a lot of the things we were talking about, uh, and people we've already mentioned, that uh, it was Peter McDougall. Right. And... The, up in the more they used to do a, a weekly uh, sitcom called West Enders. Oh, and did they? Different students from uh, Caledonian Uni, right. uh, doing the MA TV course. Uh, and so they were writing these scripts and they'd do a weekly kind of soap that you went and watched this comedy soap. So they would have a guest, and amongst it all, they had a guest uh, drunk and a guest writer every week could appear at some point. Guess who that was? <laughs> <laughs> So Peter McDougall was uh, the writer, uh, and I came in as a drunk at one point. And Peter uh, was very nervous, and had had a drink, and he started freaking out a wee bit and trying to get off the stage. And I was, "Peter, what are you man?" And, and just talking a lot of rubbish. And his partner Morag Fullerton, was there. Uh, so afterwards, we're having a drink and then i was a, a wee bit in my cuts and went outside to have a cigarette and morag came up to me and she was like i really enjoyed that tonight. and i know all right right I sit there. listen you know how they do play pie in a pint downstairs which for those who haven't heard of it, it's like in a kind of lunchtime theatre in Glasgow It's yep. uh, brilliant. Uh, it's produced loads, thousands of new plays and stuff for about 15, 16 years now. And uh huh, uh huh. What do you think? Uh, they do play pie in a pint, they do play pie in a classic where they take a classic uh, piece of work and cut it down to 55 minutes. Mm-hmm. What do you think? A play pie in a movie? What, what do you mean? It's in, if we take a famous film but cut it down into like 50 minutes or so. I don't see why not. You know it. You know, I know. What you thinking? Casablanca? Aye! Go for it, go for it. Would you do it? Like, do what? You know, Casablanca? Hey, we'll Aye, what do you want me to do, you know, in the Humphrey Bogart? Aye, not a problem. Cool, okay, I'll speak to you later, I'll go and write it. Aye, I'll see you later, bye! You know, never thought of anything of it. And of course she got in touch with me, and I've written that play. Oh God, What? <laughs> right, oh, have you? And uh, came to meet her. Give it a read. See, tell me what you think. Aye, oh, okay. Um, who else is in it? No, I read it, uh, and that was it. We kind of was bizarre. I mean, all down to Morag really. It's so clever what she did to condense the movie and in, into fifty yeah. minutes and keep the kind of heart of it and respect of it. You know, it's a, a kind of loving homage to it that. Because you, you're aware you're playing with the family jewels.
0: But, yeah, yeah, he's an icon. I mean, Humphrey Bogart's an icon in the movie itself is an icon. If anyone, I, I, I know we don't have time to go into it now, but if you ever get a chance to look through even the production history of Casablanca, yeah. it's fascinating, yeah. fascinating. There's Which we of also
1: try to incorporate a wee bit into the show yeah. with facts and, 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 and stuff like that. But yeah, it was through that. It was only meant to run for six days. And you traveled
0: uh, through Europe, I think. To, you did a yeah, we of,
1: played various places. We all over Britain. We did the festival a couple of years. Uh, yeah. uh, we went to Barbados, went to Paris, uh, and then we we brought it back about two years ago. And then they had a vote, a public vote last last year, year before, right. of uh, the, the the most popular play and the five hundred plays. Of, Play Pine a Paint and Casablanca One, so uh, we brought it back for that as well. So yeah, which, which was fun, but it's brilliant. I mean, it's it's a real honour to do because you kind of, as I say, you you know you're doing something so iconic. And the, the thing was that we 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 knew there was laughs and things. Yeah, making a virtue of these three ridiculous actors trying to do this iconic piece of work. Um, but what was really touching is when we made people cry. You know, and there was times where you could actually see people still sort of, they still bought into the romance and, and the state yeah. and playing it, playing those moments for real that, the, you know, it wasn't all for laughs, which was really, really nice. Um, but no, it's been brilliant. Uh, but who would have thought would still be doing it nearly 10 years later off. and on? I mean,
0: that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh-huh. I mean, I mean, there's so many other. Things. I mean, I'm sitting here with your ID, I, I'm DB in front of me. I, I won't, I won't, I not embarrass you and go through it, darling. There is uh, so many wonderful, incredible things in here, and some stuff still to come up, which is exciting. I assume you can never tell, like these, these like, because <laughs> it's got like in production editing, and you go, is it? I don't know. Um, uh, apparently, let's see. Uh, I won't go through it. But one question I wanted to ask you because I know you've done the likes of breaking the, Week. you've, you've. St- Stepped into film a few times as well. Yeah. Um, one I've got to ask about, and I've 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 asked you about this gentleman before, and I'm going to ask you because he's my hero. Um, you got to work with Robin Williams. You got to become yeah. friends with Robin Williams, and very rarely in your lifetime do people get to become friends with people that they really really get to idolize okay. uh, i got to become friends with rowdy Roddy piper the wrestler of all people oh. which is still a, b- a bizarre one um to the point that we only got to know each other a couple of years and when he passed oh my god it hit me hard yeah it hit me yeah. very very hard uh, and robin williams was a, a, an icon is an icon of mine the reason i'm a stand-up there's no two ways about it the reason i'm a stand-up which you don't hear a lot from scottish people but you got to work with robin
1: uh, yeah, yeah. Um, aye, that, that was a weird one. It, it's a Bill and again, a, a lovely Scottish thing because it was a Bill yeah. Forsyth movie uh-huh. um, who hadn't done anything for years. Uh, Bill Forsyth is known for Gregory's Girl in Scotland. Yeah. And um, I, again, was through Bobby, Bobby Carlyle. I'd done a show with Bobby, another show called uh, The Thing that I was talking about earlier, but a poster, Conquest of the South Pole. Yeah. And I, an accident fractured my spine. And I was kind of recovering and learning to walk again and things like that. And Bobby asked me, there was 14 of us, uh, kind of glorified extras, really, uh-huh. but, they, but they wanted actors because they might have to improvise and improvise with Robin. Okay. Um, and so I asked his and I'm like, yeah, I, of course, Robin. And like, yeah, I adored Robin since as far as I could remember, you know, Mark and Mindy and his, yeah. you know, Live at the Met. Um,
0: Live at uh, the Met is the perfect stand-up special. I don't care what well, anyone says. You
1: know, you know, nothing comes close. And um, he, yeah, he was just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I adored him. Was totally in love with, with Robin. So, uh, although we all did the classic, I'll always remember the first day. We, we, we're all waiting at wardrobe uh, to get fittings and all that, and a, a car would appear and everybody's going, "Is that him? Is that him?" <laughs> <laughs> and his body double would come out or something and, and then eventually when he did appear to get out and, is that him it's that that's him that's him and everybody went what too cool for school you know i'm <laughs> not even gonna look at him hey whatever Mork. i am uh, sorry what's your name oh no <laughs> aye, right, uh, nice to meet you uh, robert um, <laughs> there was all that and it was it was just an amazing experience i mean out of 14 actors we had about two arses, which isn't a bad going when it comes to actors and, um, and we just had a brilliant time for a fortnight, it was unbelievable and within a couple of days I remember phoning my girlfriend uh, and at night talking about whatever and saying Robin or whatever and she's so like, what? And I'm like, Rob- oh it's Robin now, is it? <laughs> 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 Aye Sorry. And, and he was just everything you'd expect and more, you know, he was so generous, so much fun Lightning in a bottle, so sensitive, uh, absolutely hysterical. Could turn it on and off, and so the boys kind of punted me forward to him quite a bit, right? Impersonations and and carry on, and so we we got to play together a bit, which was pretty tough because he was a steamroller, (laughs) Um, and I I think once, just once, he had to kind of be there. It's a long story, but once I managed to talk him. Uh, and I, I was dying in my arse. We were sitting waiting on the tide coming in, and I could feel the boys kind of like, willing me on. And it was this Rolling Stones thing. I was doing Mick Jagger, and he was doing Keith Richards, and he kept feeding me lines that I just couldn't come up with. Him, you know, oh. and he, you know, do you, know, do you know, do you remember the time where we, um, you know, blah blah blah, and I, and I just would be going, no. <laughs> no. Oh, guys would laugh politely, but you could tell we've got but come on, Gav, come on, bulls I'm with the bike, you know. And eventually you said something like, uh Do you remember the time we had um, you know, we went fishing and we got some uh, like beautiful trout and you know, we smoked it and I went, 'Oh Oh yeah, yeah. It was like brand trout, how come you tell so good, yeah. <laughs> And thankfully, Robin kind of pissed himself. The boys were like, Yes, thank <laughs> Christ for that. But then Robin uh, put his arm around us as we walked away and he went, You yeah. know, so you know, have, have you ever been to like Micker Keith's? Like, what? No, I know for a while. No, <laughs> we, you know, we don't talk much. We are a bit of fire.
0: No, since he got that big, Doug. No, <laughs> no. I'm a legend. <allergic> he cats. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, and that was that. And then, I mean, he gave everybody his address and something. And if you're ever over, and you're like, "Aye, of course." <laughs> um, and then I went on to do taking over the asylum. Yeah. Uh, and Ken Stott had been in the film, and I was talking about how lovely Robin was. In fact, it's here. Robin sent us these books. they oh. Which are these lovely bound books with your name on it and things? Oh wow! And uh, he's kind of. He signed it inside, and I was saying how lovely. Um,
0: oh, that's the, wonderful!
1: Of Robin to do that, and Ken kind of looked at me like, "What?" And suddenly we realised that he didn't do this for everybody, but he obviously loved the group of guys that he worked with in Scotland. All oh, right, okay. and so it was actually pretty special. And then I went over to the states uh, for the first time ever, was there, and I thought. I'd feel an arse if I didn't. I might as well. What's he going to say? No, yeah, he does yeah. <laughs> um, And I ended up, I blew him out about five times. What? Uh, I know, it was ridiculous. Uh, and then we met up and we uh, we had a ball and, and that was it. We kept in touch. I visited him a couple of times. When he was over here, he'd get in touch. He invited me up to Billy Conley's and uh, do up in Aberdeenshire. But I didn't go. Uh, and it was like Steve Martin was there and Eric Idle and I, I all these people gav come on <laughs> my, my do you remember the
0: brown trout line you're a hunt them you're a hunt them
1: <laughs> my hand.
0: My hand, i'd have been fucking terrified <laughs> uh,
1: exactly exactly and he was like "No, oh, just come up you know come stay and all that, and that what? And of course, the way he talks, you know, it's like, you know, Steve will be there and Eric and, and the teacher will be well, and then the penny drops, you think, Jesus, he's talking about, oh no. And I just thought, I can't be in that company. I couldn't leave this out. <laughs> anyway, I was in Greg's the other day, and, uh, oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you know, because it happened to him once, it was the first time I was at his house, and we're, we were sitting, and he's he's, Niece was there and her boyfriend, and I'd kind of come in the conversation. And uh, Robin and his wife at the time, Marcia, had been away for five days, and they were talking about, oh, yeah, we had a great time. It was wonderful, you know, and it was great because the hotel, you know, mom was there, and she she was so happy because she got to meet Al, and she got to meet, and they're rhyming off these people, and I'm quietly just sitting, taking it all in, going, mm hmm, mm hmm. And and it was great. And you know, the, the wonderful thing was that Claude was there. And he was doing, uh, he, he my hairdresser, so, and this is Marsha talking, so he could do my hair uh, because he was doing Hillary's. So that was great. And that and I'm like slowly going, what? And then how they were late, and we were late for the ceremony, but it was fine because as it turned out, the police took us down way to motorcade. So we got there quick enough anyway. Eventually, the penny drops so that this was the re-inauguration of the president, you know, and they're like, I I think we're in slightly different Leaks here.
0: Right, <laughs> oh, oh. Mm. Right. Would Thing you have blown that off, Gav? Would, would you
1: have for the lights at John's? <laughs> all right. So... <laughs>
0: I'm busy. I've got I've got to what's change a, that. A, what's
1: um, Sometimes the provost is there and all that. Oh, it's it's madness.
0: I need to go down and get new power cards. That meter I don't fucking fill itself, <laughs> <laughs> Robin. <laughs> there's a boy at the end of the road that splits them for you you get twice the money and it's going to be crazy. <laughs> twice the money that's crazy uh, well uh, I've got oh, so many questions I've got so many questions but I feel like I've taken up uh, enough of your time we'll have to do this again maybe it'll be on this maybe it'll be somewhere else There's so much What have, uh, these times are very weird Gav What have you got anything coming up in the pipeline or are we just kind of waiting to see where this craziness takes oh no I do have one more thing I want to talk to you about you said earlier you've always wanted to be in a band, but you don't have any music talent. Yeah. But you found your way to get into <laughs> one of the biggest bands in Scotland, Colonel oh. Mustard and the Dijon Five, bunch of boys that I love with all my heart. I think they're just simply fantastic. Um, Some of the yeah. nicest folk you'll meet in any form of entertainment, really. And uh, you have got to share You want to be? I think you've got to be in the videos. Uh, yeah. You've got to be in a video. You've got to be on stage with them. What's it like to finally, I mean, I know you've blown off Robin Williams and uh, probably could have got a wee <laughs> invite to the inauguration if you tried, uh, <laughs> but what's it like to finally get that dream of being in a band?
1: It was cool, it was cool. It was funnily enough, it all happened, it was a day I saw you as well, when it was for the Clutha. Yes. Uh, the reopening of the Clutha and we were uh, having a charity day and the, yeah. the boys came up they were playing, they were the the last band to play and I spotted a t-shirt and thought, that's a cracking t-shirt. Oh,
0: the t-shirts are cool.
1: And David Blair, cracking name and cracking t-shirt, and David Blair, who's in the band came up and he said, uh, I'll give you a t-shirt if you kind of punt the band or whatever. And I was like, sure. Uh, And I'd never seen them. And then as soon as they came on, I was like, wow. And a wee bit still game, musically in a funny kind of way. Suddenly there was kids in the street, there was grannies and grandas in the street. There was, they just were all inclusive and and it was just a brilliant, happy, celebratory party atmosphere. It was just fantastic. You know, and you're suddenly walking across the street at the Clutha, doing a song about road safety together, with big beaming smiles on your face, and you just come away like, what? You've made new pals. Everybody's hugging each other. Everybody's as high as a kite, just feeling great. And you thought, who does that? What? That? This is an amazing experience. This is just how music should be done, people posing about, dressing black, trying to look cool all the time or whatever, do you know what and I mean? The,
0: the like, live experience with them as well uh, is such it's fun.
1: A live band, you know, and it's all about inclusion and, and they, I mean, they're quite political as well, but it's about yeah. inclusion and fun uh, and enjoyment and, ah, uh, they're just brilliant. So out of that, they said, would you do one of your videos? I was like, yeah, and, and it just rolled on and they just keep getting me in for and again for things. I kind of became like the, the, the geriatric bez of the band. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have done videos with them. I'm now, I think, the new album, which is due for release very soon, I'm on one of the tracks of the new album. I do a bit with them. I've made it onto that now. You've done uh, it. But, so I... Um, well, I will... God, now I'm keeping you back. But I, but those kind of things have laid on, because now dreams have come true of... Talking about being with bands that I ended up uh, playing, my heroes sort of playing with Bowie's band and all that as well. So, wow! So, I all these things have sort of slowly one things led to another because which all connected with the Mustards because they did the the first time they played the Barland. Yeah, you were there. I was there and accepted an award on behalf of David Bowie who just passed away and Bowie's yeah. my big hero, and that's one thing led to another through that, which is. A long story for another day, perhaps, but oh. how I, I passed on the award to Bowie's guitarist, and it oh, all cute. went bum 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 bum, and ended up meeting his band, and then I ended up being invited to sing with his band, and, you know, to all these kind of things. So I, it's, there's been loads of sort of weirdness that happens. Well, but I, but so certainly Mustard's album's coming out. I'm doing well, what, a Radio 4 d- historical drama in the next week or so. Fantastic. Uh, and hopefully another good thing that we're working on uh, just this morning actually The trying to bring out a wee christmas story uh with a friend in Ireland got in touch with who's written a wee children's christmas story that we're recording and hope to punt to raise money for homelessness during christmas oh, fantastic. so uh i all all for free me lost straight jackets another band that i love are, uh doing the background music for it and we hope to raise as much as we can for homeless uh during christmas because if well, yeah. any- we think we're having it bad during the pandemic but uh if anybody's having it bad it's bad enough being homeless but then put yourself in this shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well uh, you know something here at broadcast we'll definitely make a donation we'll grab that as well and of course a uh, a shared charity that we both uh, uh have a, a lot of time in our hearts for is obviously some of the mental health charities like some mind and yep. uh, there's rain as well uh it's you're still involved with
1: these guys I, I, as much as I can, still try and do as much uh, kind of mental health stuff, uh, you know, did that short film a couple of years ago, which uh, was scary, but brought back hell of a lot of positive feedback, and got, mm. a lot of people came forward, and including a lot of people in the business, uh, surprisingly, who still didn't want to go public, but I was surprised at how many people kind of said, oh, thank you, or I've actually been you know, help people come out a bit, so uh, I, and especially, again, times we find ourselves in at the moment, you know, what is creating more damage, uh, you know, mental health during this pandemic, etc., I know that my brain is certainly turning into soup at times, and find it hard to struggle, and the nature of it isolating us and alienating us, and uh, which brings, you know, a lot of time in your own head, etc., so... um, Aye, all the more reason we have to kind of talk to each other and communicate and reach out and all these things. So, and other organisations like Brothers in Arms. And, yeah. Uh, gosh, can't remember others off the top of my head. Um, Mind the Men. Uh, gosh, quite a few that are involved. Anything I can, really, to draw attention to things like that because it's it's important, ever more so. so Very much
0: so. Very much so. It's, uh, um, particularly where we all are just now. Well, look, I look forward to hearing what happens when you go to Mick Jagger's house and tell him the David (laughs) Bowie story because you'll be all loaded up and ready to go uh, and uh, I know like you're in a band and you know it's who knows inevitably when we have a uh, still game the next generation which which just is either the best or worst idea <laughs> do you know what I mean either someone right now goes the boys are genius it's uh, we'll have a chat out but listen I, I would do this again a hundred times this was so much fun Uh Gav of course people can find you on social media I know you're on uh, you still on Twitter you still on Twitter on the Twitter, people can still find you on the Twitter. And... I
1: think you'll get me on after number one at Twitter and Instagram and all the rest yeah. of that. Guys, I love the, the
0: Instagram because
1: oh, you love the Twitter. I love the Twitter. I love
0: the Twitter. I love your Instagram because every now and then you'll put up that. That's one of the things that makes me say, Well, we'll have to do this again, even if it's just sitting in a pub one day. Um, it's just every now and then there'll be a picture coming up and you go, Hang on, when the fuck did you do that? You know, they suddenly just. <laughs> You're so you're so casual, you're so humble. It's like uh, who's this in this picture and it just always looks so cool uh, I could do this a hundred times like I say but anyway I'll pop you into the green room just now and I will finish up the broadcast and then we'll have a wee goodbye chat uh, ladies and gentlemen whatever you're watching uh, you're the wonderful Gavin Mitchell uh, that's all we've got time for in this episode of broadcast we're in a wee bit longer tonight but you know I think it was certainly worth it don't you make sure to check out everything Gav's doing and of course the charities that he mentioned as well uh, we will put the links in the videos and of course, make sure to check out everything that's going on on Broadbeard social media as well. We're all about body positivity here, so make sure to check out some of the charities we work and some of the mental health charities we work with as well. And buy yourself some products when on are on up to Christmas. Get yourself a beard oil, get yourself a, a, a snood, a neck snood. I can't remember what they're called, a t-shirt. I can stick with a t-shirt, get t t-shirt, wax, all that type of thing. Uh, that's all we've got time for. We're going to have another tremendous guest next week. Don't forget you can listen on Spotify and iTunes. Hi YouTube people. Are people still on the Bebo? People might be on the people. If you're on the Bebo Broadcast them there Don't worry about it I'm Billy Kirkwood uh, Make sure this is the whole thing Can I finish the show Without actually looking At my computer monitor Can I do it? Can I do it? Oh! Ah fuck <laughs>